You are listening to the Chasing PRs podcast. And today we talk all about knee injuries, what causes them, and some cool recovery strategies and things to do to not get knee injuries. You don't want to miss this. Stay tuned. Hi, we are your hosts, Rochelle Weeks and Diego Alcubierre. And with over 20 years of combined experience in coaching and physiotherapy, we created this podcast to help everyday runners who want to make the most out of their training and achieve new personal records while managing work, family, and life outside running. Welcome. Hello and welcome to another episode of Chasing PRs. I am Diego. I'm Rochelle. And today we are continuing talking about injuries, right? Last week we talked about foot and ankle injuries. If you have one, go listen to it. It was very, a very, we think very good and the, and the feedback has been very good. And today we're talking about knee injuries. So uh, before we start, let's do our weeks, our weeks of training. I think they're, they're always very insightful. Some, some, some people that you and me that have jobs, kids, are very goal-driven, have big goals, big ambitions. And um, I, I think a lot of people have the same thing. <laughs> and uh, so you can learn a lot from other people's mistakes and good things. Yeah, right? definitely. So let's start with you. I didn't have a good week. Okay, Yours is going to be better. <laughs> but hopefully people can learn from my mistakes. That's yeah. why we're all here. Um, I, have a, I picked up a little bit of an injury. So... Everybody knows about, uh, if you've been listening to the podcast from 2022, when I didn't do my marathon because I injured my proximal hamstring tendon, I have a bit of a flare up of that going on, which in hindsight, I did some things I shouldn't have. But this is the thing with running injuries. You don't really know you've done something wrong until you feel the pain and you look back and you think, oh God, that was really dumb. So I've been increasing my strength training for like the last month gradually but it involves deadlifts and Bulgarian split squats, which really target the high hamstring. And that was fine. And then I joined the zone three running group on Tuesday and pushed it a little bit, but like not too aggressively, nothing more than normal. All this I think would have been fine if I hadn't played my first game of soccer since the fall on Friday. Okay. A lot of sprinting and pivoting and we had no subs. So we, it was like the whole game without a sub. And then I did the six-minute test on Saturday where I did a 3.52 pace. So I awesome. pushed it for six minutes. And then on Sunday, I was at the cottage, and I tried to pick a flat, easy route because the cottage at Tilly. And I thought I did, but it ended up being like kind of rolling up and down for, for 20K run, right? for my long run. Yeah. So I woke up Monday, and I was so tuned into my Achilles that I forgot about my butt, which okay. is where I feel my proximal hamstring tendon. And I woke up Monday and went, oh my God, my hamstring. And then at first, like you're kind of annoyed and you're thinking, I haven't even done anything. And then I started thinking, I was like, no, I did a lot of, a lot of things, which if I'd done half of it, it would have been okay, but yeah. all of it combined. Yeah. The same week you started yeah. soccer and the six minute test and yeah. a big long run. And adding the strength, like it just all was like perfect storm. So you're trying to do all the right things. And this is the thing with tendon injuries is it's not like I was running on that 20K and felt my hamstring and should have stopped. It felt great. I just woke up with it Monday. Yeah. So then I ran Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, very easy. But if anyone's ever had the high hamstring easy injury before, you feel it on the swing phase. Yeah. Like as you bring your leg ahead, it just feels tight. 
So then I took Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. No soccer, no long run. <laughs> Didn't do the race with you. Yeah. Um, it's feeling a little bit better today. I biked a bit yesterday, which might have been a bad idea because I can feel it a bit more today than yesterday. But sometimes with an injury, if you just go for a really light, easy run, it actually helps. So I'm going to try like four or five K on my lunch break today. Okay. Really slow, high cadence and see how it feels. And how, how are you going to approach it? So you're running 5K today. Mm -hmm. And how do, you, how do you decide what to do tomorrow or in, in, in this week, during this week? I've written off speed for the week. Okay. I'm not going to do any speed. If I go to soccer Friday, I'll try to take it easy, maybe play defense or even go in net, which I'm really bad at. But that'll involve less sprinting. Um, and then my long run, I'm going to scale back. Like I'll see, I'm just going to take it one day at a time. Like honestly, okay. usually on a Monday, I know exactly what's going to happen every day. Right now, all I know is I'm going to try four or five K today. Okay. If it feels good tomorrow, I'll probably do six to eight. If that feels really good Wednesday, I'll try 10, probably take it easy Thursday. And, and are, you, then... are you going to do any kind of strength training? The thing when you get injured, especially for me as a physio, I get injured and I'm like, okay, rehab, rehab. Mm -hmm. But sometimes in the past, it's like the tissue just needed a break. Okay. And then I try to strengthen it and I make it worse. <laughs> I did that a lot with this hamstring injury, so I'm not doing it this time. So I haven't touched it with strength. Okay. Um, but I will, once it settles a bit more, I'll start doing some gentle hamstring stuff and, and uh, then bring it up again. The good thing is that it's at the beginning of your training yes. cycle. How are you feeling mentally about it? Oh, I just, I'm annoyed with myself for, okay. for doing it. But and not, I, like, not stress about the marathon? No, because it's so far away. Okay, you like, have time to record. I had, I was, th I was thinking, I don't know why, I, w I wanted to dive back into some longer runs because I just enjoy them and that's when I get most of my stress relief. So I, want, I was going to do like 22, 24K on the weekend. Okay. And then I looked at our K to J friends who were doing races the same weekend yeah. and they all did 18. So I was like, oh, I should have done 24. And I was like, oh, 18. Yeah. I could do that this weekend. That's not that far. Yeah, I did 17. Yeah. So I don't need to be doing like mid 20s okay. in June. Cool. So I'm, I may be more stressed about my trip to Wales hmm. next week. And because we had a lot of trail running and hiking plans. So we might need to do more hiking than trail running. That's okay. That's okay. Just spend it's more time in the pub. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect excuse. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my week, I first want to thank Alex that approached me yesterday during a race. He's a listener of the podcast and he just approached me. Oh, I love your podcast. And I asked him for feedback and it was awesome just chatting with him for a few minutes. So just thank you. If you find me wandering around Ottawa or running, just come say hello. And I'm more than happy to. To chat with you. Yeah. Uh, so I want to say that. Then uh, my week was easy and straightforward. I just, I just did whatever I needed to do. Monday, strength training. Tuesday, uh, my VBO2 max intervals after the speed test. I, I had my specific pace I want to hit. Then Wednesday, I had a lot of work. I did nothing. Thursday, we had this different track session when we run and strength training a lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I woke up so sore on Friday. Uh, my hamstrings, but not, not an injury, like sore. Of, Just good sore. Yeah. But I think that was a uh, like a wake-up call that I need to up my strength training because it wasn't that hard. It was just a few mm -hmm. squats and lunges and waking up so sore. I, th I thought like, okay, no, this is not, this is yeah. not right. So I need to work on that. Friday, I did nothing. Uh, we usually do pizza Friday in my house on Friday. So it's really, if, you, if we don't do it early, it's really hard to go out later to, to do anything. Yeah. Uh, Saturday, I did an hour and a, an hour 20 long run, 
ended up with 17 kilometers. And on Saturday, we did uh, this formula run that it was super interesting and super fun. Uh, it was so fun to watch. Yeah. Rachel was supposed to run it, yeah. but she was injured. My uh, husband stepped up and took my place. And she, he stepped up perfectly. He, he did it faster than I would have been able to. So maybe it's okay that I was in third because <laughs> you guys came third. Yeah, we came third. And it was, we, we, we went into the race, like thinking we can even win, mm-hmm. right? And mid-race, we were not in the top three. So it was awesome to see everyone. We were a, four of t- a team of four. Uh, to see everyone just gather around and guys, we need to step it up and we mm-hmm. need we change our strategy and we start to run faster and everyone start to run faster and faster and faster and we end up uh, finishing third and it was it was really cool. I'm going to explain really quick the concept of the of yeah because people are probably wondering what is this thing that yeah. they're doing. So it was a a loop around par. Mm-hmm. They say 363 meters around that. Like a paved pentagon, yes. kind of, right? And yeah. so it was easy to turn. It was not hard turns or anything. And the goal was that it was an hour and a half race. And you need to do, as a team, as many laps as you can. There was a specific like transition zone when you can pass the baton. They gave us like batons like in the Olympics. It was yeah. really cool. Cool. And only uh, one person dropped it. Yes. I Everybody was devastated. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yeah, you just go, went as fast as you can for, we started doing two laps each and we changed to one lap each, just fast, fast, fast and changing the baton, changing the baton for an hour and a half. Uh, it was super fun. I, I think if they organize it next year, uh, I would like to do it again. Yeah. It was fun to watch because everybody just starts and then it's interesting to see like one of our friends, Tracy, I think his team's strategy was to run 12 minutes each. Okay. And they quickly changed that. Yeah. One of the the team that won right from the get go did one lap each. Yeah, and so they ran three hundred sixty three meters and then braked while the other three did it and then repeated. So it, it the, you guys were falling behind when you were doing two laps, but yeah. then when you did one lap each, you moved from fourth to third and you were catching the second up one. to second, right? Yeah. yeah, and second place only had two runners. They were crazy. I I found out later that they are like two thirty marathon runners. Wow. So what's were, a piece for a two thirty marathon? Like three thirty. Oh, so they could just do that. That was like their marathon race. Pace. Yeah, they just <laughs> ran like 14K each and wow. marathon pace. Uh, no, it was way faster than marathon pace. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing is that my daughter was there and I asked her to record me in slow motion because I was trying to improve. And I'm not liking my running form right now. I really think that my past marathon trainings have affected my running form because it just those slow, easy runs, mm-hmm. you start to to compromise your your running form because you're not running that fast. So I'm not driving my my leg fast, high enough on the way forward. I'm not kicking hard enough to, on the way back. So that's something I'm going to focus on. And I think it's just, I'm doing my drills every time before my video to max, the A, A, A skips, hmm. B skips, or, and that kind of stuff. Uh, but I'm just going to be super aware of that and just try to to improve that and record myself in a couple of months to see that improve. I wonder if the hamstring injury is affected at all because you might not have as powerful of a stride because oh yeah you kind of subconsciously used to like baby it a bit and even though it's gone now it might be like you might yeah. have to reverse that. Yeah, a bit. I totally agree. Yeah. It's, it's that the, the the injury and those slow, slow easy runs mm-hmm. for sure have changed my how I approach it and just being aware of it it's going to improve and hopefully that give me another. One percent. Yeah. Then, uh, Which is a big deal yes. when you're at your speed. <laughs> awesome. So um let's do 
we we saw this thing yesterday about chasing sprints. Really cool. It's someone called Coach Montana de Pasquale. I guess she's French or something. Like that. I'm glad you said that last name. I would have butchered it. The, but, well, I said I just read it in Spanish. To be honest, <laughs> it sounded great. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, she shared the biggest mistakes made by advanced marathoners. And I love that because the more you improve, the harder is to see your mistakes and to get used to doing things your way without going back to the basics sometimes. Mm -hmm. So do you want to read the first one? Yeah. So number one of four, continuing to do what's always been done without creating enough new stimulus. Yeah. And I... It's so it's so easy to fall into this one. Mm -hmm. And I think I think it can biggest mistake made by advanced marathoners and we can change to advanced runners because yeah. if you're a fast 5K runner yes. or a fast it, it applies to everyone. Uh if something is working, you don't want to change it. Mm -hmm. Right. And you say, Oh no, I'm a 250 marathon runner, I'm a 18k, 18 minutes 5k runner, I'm not gonna change anything and you're not gonna improve. Right? So something has to change. You're gonna stay there. And mm. you're going to get a lot of kudos and, oh, you're fast and all because you're fast. Mm -hmm. But I think internally, you're going always going to be thinking, oh, I can go. Why can't I go faster? And, and I think even at the better. elite level, they're constantly, they're changing coaches to try new strategies. Yeah, and they're tweaking sure. like speed sessions, marathon pace, race stuff, like or long run stuff, strength training, long run, like how weekly mileage, everything. There's so many factors. There's no way. I don't think there's any experienced runner that has it all nailed down to a perfect tee. So oh, there's no. always something that you could change. Yeah, and, and at, at every sport in the elite level, uh, yeah, I remember Tiger Woods changing coaches when he was in, at the top of his career. Or Novak Djokovic, a tennis player, he was also number one in the world and he changed coaches because there's always room for mm -hmm. improvement. So let's just not forget that. Uh, what about number two? Not knowing how to progress training once a certain mileage ceiling is hit. I love I like this that one. one. Yeah. yeah, me too. Because... The easy answer is, I'm going to run more. I'm yeah. going to run more. I'm going to run more. I'm going to run more. And there's going to be a point that even that more mileage is not really making any difference or you don't have time to. Yeah. To or it's like negative mileage. impact. Maybe you do more and you run your races worse because yeah. you were more tired because you tried to fit more in. You didn't and... recover properly yeah. and stuff like that. So the only way to progress your training, it's not mileage. Mm -hmm. It can be, we talk about that a lot in here. Speed sessions, recovery, it's a big one. Mm -hmm. Strength training can be another one. Improving your running form, doing plyometrics, improving your nutrition. So there's tons of ways that you can improve. And if you are stuck there, that's, that's something you need to be aware yeah. of. Uh, what about number three? Making irresponsible training decisions they may have gotten away with in the past. <laughs> I like was, that one. Yeah, this was a really good one. Like, uh, I don't know. I, I don't strength train, right? And I haven't been injured all my life. So pretty much it's going yeah. away with. <laughs> yeah, that that's probably the best example because you get away with not strength training in your 20s. Yeah. Because age hasn't kicked in yet. Same with your 30s usually. But like 50s, 60s, it's it's time to change. So you've gotten away with it before, but yeah, time to change. Or with 40, I don't know, four-hour long runs yeah. every, every week. So mm -hmm. you haven't been injured, you're getting away with that. Uh, yeah. I, I love that one too. What about number four? And the last one. So not optimizing nutrition, hydration, strength training, and the little things. Yeah. It, yeah. I think it, it comes back to number two. It's not all about mileage. Yeah. Right? At the beginning, yes. I think when people are running 30, 40K a week, 
uh, opening up to 50, 60, 70, mm -hmm. 80 can, can really help. There's a lot of bang for your buck there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And someone by, as myself, Dan, I used to do triathlons. And so I didn't run that much. Uh, and I was a good runner. I, my first half marathon was one hour and 35 minutes. And I, my mileage was not because there because I was swimming and biking. And the, when I started to really improve my mileage, I started to improve a lot. But then there was a time when I got stuck mm -hmm. and I started different things. So thanks for to Coach Montana de Pasquale. That's in Spanish, right? Uh, Let's it, go with it. It was it was really cool. And yeah, yeah. Thanks for sharing. It was a great post. And uh, athlete of the week. Now you're gonna say his name. I'm gonna try to pronounce. I think it's Jakob Ingerbretson. Yes. I don't think it's Jacob. I think it's Jakob, yeah. which sounds cooler. Anyway. Yeah, he's, he's from Norway. He's only 22. Yes, and he's the youngest of the three Ingebrigtsen brothers. But okay, we're gonna give you a few two. He won, he won the gold medal in the Tokyo Olympics in 2021 in the 1500 meters. He, he's only 22 years old. And last Friday, he broke the two mile record. It's a 25 year old record. And the time is crazy. You want to say time? Was it 754? 754. 754. Wow. Yes. Seven minutes and 54 seconds over two miles. That's two times a mile under four minutes. And and it used to be such a huge deal to break the four-minute four mile. Yeah. And he did it twice without a break. Yeah. And he broke the record by four seconds. The last time someone ran a sub eight-minute, two-minute mile was in 1997, seven minutes and 58 seconds. And four seconds at that level is massive. Like four seconds in a marathon is like not, <laughs> it's a big deal, but like, okay, that's nice. But no, in, a, two, two in mile this, rate. two miles, four seconds is like taking 20 minutes off of a marathon. Yeah, for sure. Best, I feel like. Second place came at eight minutes, nine seconds. Oh, so he was like, so imagine if he had someone to actually push and race again, how much quicker he could have gone. He had a pacer up to the two kilometer mark. And then they couldn't keep up with him anymore. So yeah. it was, it was amazing. His goal is to win the gold medal again next year in Paris in the 1500 meters. And maybe the 5,000 wow. meters. So he has he ran 5,000 meters? Yeah. So I wonder if we'll see the world record go down in that from him. He's not that good of a 5,000. He's more oh, short. Uh, not good in quotes. It's only He only does 12 minutes. Yeah. Or... <laughs> so no, I think he came second last year in, okay. uh, in the 5,000 meters some, in some Diamond League race. Uh, but yeah, his speciality, speciality is... 1500 he's also a very good 5000 runner mm -hmm. he's probably going to be in the olympics doing both when do but... you peak as a track athlete like marathoners it's in yeah, the we... 30s what is it for track i have no idea it'd be interesting to know because if he's only 22 yeah and the peak is like mid-20s i think over the years it has like changed like all the runners are getting better and better and better and better in, in past a 30 year old runner was super old and right now we've been talking about uh, Malindi Elmore, mm -hmm. Natasha Wara in their forties. In their forties, that are doing Kipchoge. It's almost forty. Yeah. And he's so I don't know. I read. I don't know if it's true that he wants to try a marathon after the Olympics. That'd be so. I'd love to see that. It'd be like Safana San. Like I couldn't wait to see her exactly. debut. Yeah. And it and was very dramatic and cool. So hopefully he does the same thing. Okay. So cool. that's the first part of the episode. 
the second part of the episode, we're going to talk about knee injuries. Let's start by defining or telling what are the three most common knee injuries you see as a physio. And these, these are the three most common I see, but if you've got a knee injury and you think it's not one of these three things, the treatment we suggest probably is going to work the exact same way. Okay. Um, so the first one's called patella femoral pain or runner's knee. That's in the lower part of the knee, right? So it's the patella is the kneecap yeah. and then the femur is the thigh bone. So it between the kneecap and the thigh bone gets irritated okay. and sensitive. So people will often present with like pain at the front of the knee. And they can't really touch it. They're like, it's inside my knee. It's under my kneecap. Like, it's not tender. Okay. IT band syndrome is on the outside of the knee and just below the joint line, like the knee joint. Okay. And it's usually very, like, sharp, uncomfortable pain when the leg is swung forward and it's worse going downhill. Okay. And then knee osteoarthritis, so knee arthritis, is probably the third most common one. And I want to talk about that one because I see a lot of runners who are told they need to stop running because they have that. Okay. And if someone doesn't have these ones, what else can you have? There's patellar tendonitis, quad tendonitis. Those are less common in runners and more common in like jumping okay. athletes for the most part. There's stress fractures, but those are a lot less common at the knee. And then sometimes like the hamstring can kind of mimic knee pain. Like it can be right at the back of the knee or around the side. Yeah. And, uh, and it's actually the hamstring, but the person comes in complaining of knee pain. Okay. When I had my knee injury that ended up in surgery, it was something called synovial plica. Oh yeah. That's not a super common. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I, and, uh, some, some meniscus tear. And a meniscus tear. Yeah. So I didn't, there's knee injuries. I guess usually they're traumatic knee injuries. Like if you tear the meniscus, if you tear the ACL, MCL. But sometimes as runners, we can see meniscus tears, um, and not just runners, people in all sports that are more related to age-related changes. Like, we just don't have a 20-year-old knee anymore. So sometimes we can see meniscus tears as well. Okay. And But when I was reading the treatments and the causes, I had the synovial plica, and then it was pretty much the same thing, how yeah. I recovered and how, how, what caused it. Mm -hmm. uh, so we talk about, a lot about the most common cause of any running injury is too much, too soon, too fast. Yeah. Right. So we're going to, we talk about that in the heel and foot episode, but it's something we are going to drive on and keep telling you about it because it, I think one of the main reasons. Yeah. Maybe. I think people are quick to jump to like, oh, I need a massage. I need new shoes. I need to stretch more. Um, thinking that's the cause, but it's usually, if you look back at your training, you upped your mileage too quickly, your speed too quickly, your hills too quickly, yeah. long runs too quickly. It's just one of those things. Like me with my hamstring right now. I know I just added in a little bit too much high intensity speed too aggressively alongside yeah. strength. And having a massage or a nice therapy or whatever, it's going to help you feel better in the short term, mm -hmm. but it's not going to, it's not what caused. Yeah. And if I don't it's recognize. Not fix, exactly. It's not going to fix. If you keep yeah. adding strength training and going to soccer and speed sessions to a week, it doesn't matter how much you massage or recover, it's not going to Yeah. Hurt. And usually the amount, like you're like, okay, I did this too much too soon. It doesn't mean you can't do that. So, so say someone's listening to this and they just developed knee pain and they're like, oh, I just added in a second speed session a week or a first. It's not that they can't do two a week and it's not that they can't add one. They just introduced it too quickly. Yep. So if they introduced a second speed session, maybe they 
introduce it again once their injury settled, but at a more slow pace. So they, or, or they look at what, or shorter. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Okay. Uh, the other one is adding heel training. I think this one's really big, right? Yeah. The, a lot of people don't realize that the knee gets hit harder on descents going downhill. So uphill can irritate the knee, but downhill, there's just more forces going through the joint because you're hitting so much harder. Okay. And usually you're not landing midfoot or forefoot when you're landing, going heel downhill because you'd yeah. roll your ankle if you did that. So usually you're overstriding with a heel strike. And if you're running down aggressively, it can be hard. I, my husband and I hiked across Switzerland in 2012. And being from Goose Bay, Goose Bay's flat. Switzerland's not. So we were hiking through the Alps for like two weeks. And I developed major knee issues. It was patellar tendonitis. Mine, I could go uphill all day. Soon as we started to descend, I was in a lot of pain. Okay. So it's usually the downhill that gets people. And it was only hike. And there was just hiking. Yeah. But again, it was too much too soon. I yeah. started hiking 20K a day through the Alp, Alps, like mountain passes. It yeah, was I think my, my point was that it's not on yeah. only running. Mm -hmm. You can do too much yeah. hiking. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, the next one is overstriding an aggressive heel strike. Yeah, this is probably the knee gets affected the most by someone with a low cadence who's overstriding. Okay. So overstriding means you're landing on your heel. And your foot's out in front of your hips. So you're kind of putting the brakes on. If you up your cadence by 5%, you reduce the forces through the knee by 20%. Okay. Which is like a lot of bang for your back, like just a subtle, subtle change. So one thing, like there's no perfect cadence for everybody. You're six, two? One. One. So if I tell you do a 180 cadence when you do a 530 pace... That's probably going to look really weird yeah. because you're, so, you're running slow for you, but a really peppy high cadence. Likewise, if I look at someone who's like five foot nothing and they're doing a four minute pace, 180 is probably going to be too slow for them. Okay. So they need to up it. So basically, if you've got knee pain, try upping your cadence no matter where you are by about 5%. And then if your knee feels better, stay there. And if you're not sure, you can get a gait analysis or you can just get on a treadmill, do a slow motion video of yourself running and pause the video as soon as your foot touches the treadmill. And then just look, are you landing on your heel, but out in front of your hips? So your shin should be basically straight up and down when the heel or the midfoot hits the treadmill. Okay. Uh, I was doing the math and 5%, if you have a 170 cadence, it's just eight more. Yeah. It's not so a big it's, change. It's not a big change. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It pretty much, you can up your cadence by eight, in this case, 170 to 178, just when thinking about it. Mm -hmm. And new watches, uh, Garmin's have a metronome. So you can yeah. you can put the metronome at 180, or 178, and it vibrates in your wrist every time you need to. At, at, the, at first, it's it, it, it messes it's you annoying. up. It's annoying. Yeah, it's annoying. It messes <laughs> you up. You can't do it. Uh, mentally, it drains you. But when you nail it, you, you, you feel you're, you're running more fluid. And uh, if you have knee, knee pain, it's probably, it can help to, to ease that. And I think like everybody should be above 170, like no matter how tall you are, or how slow you're going, yeah. pretty, pretty much everybody should be 170 or more. But if you're, if you check your cadence after this podcast and you're like 150, don't suddenly go to 175. So there's a reason we say 5% because yeah. even... That's a drastic change in your form and that can cause injuries. So you would go from 150, maybe add five beats 
to eight beats per minute. So maybe you'd shoot for like between 155, 160. And then after a couple of weeks, if you're comfortable there, then you would try 165 and then you would just slowly work your way up. Yeah, I think yeah, it's as as always. It's a long term approach. It's not oh, I'm gonna change it this week to twenty bits per minute, yeah, more or steps per minute more, and it's gonna be mm-hmm. fixed. It's a it's a gradual approach and something that you need to address the underlying issue to really solve your if you if if it's a chronic pain, for example, yeah. you need to go to the root of the of the pain. And you can send the injury to your Achilles. Like if you suddenly go from 150 to 180, your Achilles is going to work a lot harder in your calf at 180. So then your knee feels good, okay. but then your Achilles starts to hurt, <laughs> which is not the right solution. Approach, yeah. 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 And the other one is weakness, especially in quads, but also in hips. Do you think mm-hmm. knee, we talk about a lot, a, a lot about strength training here, but do you think the knee is one of the most affected by weakness? Yeah, I would probably say so because your quad, like your hip is going to be mostly affected by your glute strength. Okay. But then your knee gets hit by your quad hamstring and your glute strength. Okay. The Achilles is more your calf. So it's, and then the knee is just sandwiched between all this. So if the calf is weak, hamstring and quad is weak, all the muscles surrounding the knee are weak. And then if the hip is weak, that controls the alignment of the knee. Okay. So it kind of gets really hit hard if there's weakness for sure. And anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Right. So any weakness in your body will affect your knee yeah not especially not not maybe not necessarily all the all other injuries but the knee is one of the main the main ones yeah um talking about root the root of injuries and stuff like that when i when i injured my knee it was only during a 15 kilometer race back in 2014 in 2014 and i couldn't straight off my leg it was i was in a lot of pain and blah, blah. i end up like for nine months just surviving the injury i got a lot of shots like cortisone injections yes yeah uh i keep training and running uh it, it's when i discovered this vvo2 max workout because i couldn't run that much and after a lot of months i end up having surgery and after the surgery i still ha- was in pain and i was like what the right and mm-hmm. I, i changed doctors because I, at the end i discovered My doctor was, I'm not going to say anything. Uh, I changed doctors. You can, you can guess, right? Yeah. Uh, and I couldn't get, it. I, I tried different physios and chiropractors and I tried a lot of different things. I, I ended up with this guy in Mexico that it was called, I, I don't know if I mentioned him before, Magic Hands. It was his nickname. Magic Hands. Magic Hands. And I got uh, an appointment with Magic Hands. And uh, I went in with two MRIs on my knee and with some x-rays on my knee. It was there. In- and you've had surgery at this point? Yes. Okay. It was, this was like seven months after. Okay. Surgery. So I went in with an MRI from before the surgery, an MRI for after the surgery, some x-rays. I, hey, how are you? What do you have? No, I have knee pain. And here are my MRIs. No, no, no. I don't need them. He put them away and he started poking All my leg, like 20 minutes, my legs, my back, my calves, everything. And at the end, he said to me, okay, there are two things. One, you have very weak quads and you have like a two-year-old contractor here. And he poked up in, in my quad like there and, oh, shit, this is really painful. Get rid of that contractor 
train train and it's going to be solved. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. At this point, I, I've tried everything, shock therapy, cryotherapy, everything. So I enrolled in a CrossFit gym just to get stronger overall. I found um, this lady that had a machine resistance capacity. So I can't remember what the machine did. Uh, I did that for a month and a half and my knee pain went forever. And right now, every time I start to get pain there, it's because of two things. One, I start biking a lot. Yeah, that makes sense. Quad dominant activity like running. Yeah, I start biking a lot and I know exactly where the contractor is. So I, I can go and just nail, just massage it like mm -hmm. super hard and get rid of it. And it usually helps. So the point here is that or the underlying issue was weakness, a very big contractor and um, biking. I don't know if I, I, I need to get a bike kit or something. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, even surgery didn't fix my, my knee at that point. And, uh, the, the moment I figure out the, the real root of the things, it wasn't too much, too soon, too bad. That's what everyone told me. It was that specifically weakness and a big contractor there. And it went away. Yeah. We need to see the big picture and have someone like fresh eyes who can have yeah. a good look at everything and put the pieces together. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes I, I, I like to go when you have these like chronic or very hard to decipher injury. If you go to different kind of doctors or physical therapists, you can get different approaches because if it's a surgeon, the way they are wired to fix things, it's like giving seizure. Mm -hmm. If you go to someone that it's a chiropractor, the way they fix things is with adjustments. You know? Yeah. Physio, so, they're going to strengthen. Exactly. Yeah. So if you go to different ones, you can really nail or pinpoint the, the issue based on the specific uh, specialities of mm -hmm. each one of the persons. Yeah. I hope you don't need to end up going to 10 different people yeah. to solve your issue. But um, usually in this case, maybe if I went to a physio at first and start strength training, could be. Yeah. Could have been the solution. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so so that those weren't the common causes. Let's talk about treatments. Mm -hmm. So what's in I, I guess the treatment is different based on the type of injury. Or if they or if, they, if, if there's something that you pretty much oh knee, knee pain, this this is where I wanna start. It I'd say like most if you have ten people come in and they all have different types of knee pain, in general it's Similar, but where you start, I would say, is different. So okay. the first thing I'm usually trying to figure out is can they keep running? Because I always want to keep a runner running if I can. So if they come in and they're limping and they're like, I ran yesterday and now my knee is super sore and they only did like 3K easy, they probably need like a deload week where they just don't run at all and they maybe swim and bike if it's okay. Okay. Um, but if someone comes in and they're, they're not limping and they're like, yeah, I can run like 15K, 18K if I do more than 20 my knee starts to bug me. If I do a lot of hill repeats, it starts to bug me. Like this is a runner I can keep running okay. with some restrictions. So that's probably like step one is just figuring how irritable the knee is. And then we deload kind of like the calf and the Achilles. Like we're going to scale mileage speed hills back so that there's no more than three out of 10 pain during the run. And it's not worse the next day. The only thing that's a little bit different is the IT band. 
most of the research shows that if you run through IT band pain, even if it's mild, you're just going to make it worse. Okay. So with like patellofemoral syndrome or, or knee osteoarthritis, I'll tell people like, yeah, run up to like a three or four out of 10 pain. But someone with IT band syndrome, I'm like, if it starts to hurt, stop. Because there's little fatty tissue on the outside of the, like where the IT band meets the outside of the knee. Okay. And the pain is from that being compressed. So as soon as it starts to get irritated, it's getting compressed and it won't like warm up and get better. It's just going to get really sensitive. Okay. So usually for the IT band, we just stop people from running until it settles. But they can still run as long as it doesn't hurt. So maybe they try 2K. And if that's okay, they try two and a half and like see what their pain point is. Okay. Um, but like most injuries, the the deloading is a big deal for the knee. I'll often say to people, let's keep it flat. So avoid hills so they don't have to go down them. Okay. And then if someone has osteoarthritis, um, trail running can actually really help. So I don't remember if we've talked about surfaces on the podcast, but a I lot of people think, so. think soft surfaces are going to protect their body. And sometimes they're wrong. So if you've got like a tendon or muscle issue, those body parts are actually going to work harder on a soft surface. So the way I explain it is like the Achilles or the calf or the quad, they need to be very spring-like for you to be a good runner. So if you were to jump on a pogo stick on your pavement in your driveway versus on the front lawn on the grass, you would be a better spring on the driveway yeah, than sure. on the grass. And it's the same thing with your tendons and muscles. If you're doing a lot of trail running, running on grass, running on sand, that makes your tendons and muscles work a lot harder. But if it's your joint we're talking about, it's actually better for the knee joint because it's softer to run in, so there's less impact. Okay. So with arthritis, it's not that you can't run on the road anymore, but just until you deal with all the other things, maybe you could keep running if you hit the trails. Okay. But they need to be flat. <laughs> Heel Which training be flat, hard, yeah. that's hard, yeah. In Ottawa, we have the green belt trails. You just can't go to Gatineau. But in other areas, it might be hard to find that perfect combo. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and talking about this, the muscles, how they work uh, on soft surfaces, just try to go for a run on a beach. Yes. And at, See how fast you go. <laughs> and how you feel after it. Everyone, everything's going to be sore or tight or, yeah. wow, my quads are killing me after just a 1K run because, yeah, they're working way, way harder. Yeah. Um, okay. Osteoarthritis, is that something like that can be fixed? Osteoarthritis, no. It can't be no, fixed yeah. unless you have a knee replacement. Okay which people want to avoid because that's not always like the perfect solution. Um, but you can live with it pain-free. Okay. So they've done some interesting studies where they've taken a bunch of people who are 50 plus and to be in the study, you have to be no pain in your knee. Okay. Like you're not allowed to have pain in your knee. And then they image all these people's knees and it, they're 50 plus and they all osteoarthritis, osteophyte, cartilage stuff, like all this stuff is found on imaging. But the people are only in the study because they, didn't have, they have no knee pain. So it just showed us that a lot of the times what we see on imaging is age-related changes. So we've had people where their x-ray shows moderate arthritis and they come in upset because their family doctor or a specialist told them, you should take up biking or you should take up swimming. And to me, I'm like, well, have you tried all the other things? And they're like, what are the other things? I'm like, well, scale back. Maybe we start like a run-walk program. Let's strengthen you. Let's up your cadence. And then sometimes they get back running. Like I've got several patients who just did um, either Cornwall or Ottawa Race Weekend. Yeah. And they were told ages ago that they shouldn't be running. That's really cool. And they're running and they're, they're fine. Now, not everybody is a success story like that. Yeah. But I would never tell someone to stop running unless they've tried all the things. That's really cool. Yeah. 
And what are the main things people need to strength for knee pain? The biggest one is the quads. So runners get into, I remember when you did the Happy Runner Summit, there's this one person who was commenting and they were really uh, up in arms about the fact that I had quad strengthening in the strength video. Yeah. Runners are quad dominant. They shouldn't have any quad strengthening. And I was like, just because we're quad dominant doesn't mean we should abandon the quads and leave them. Yeah, for sure. We will always be quad dominant because we use our quads more as runners, but we, you can never go wrong getting an area stronger. So as long as you're also strengthening the hamstrings, it's fine. But the quads, especially for osteoarthritis, every time your your foot plants on the ground, your knee takes about three to times three to four times your body weight in like peak forces very briefly. So the stronger your quad is, the more shock absorption it can give you. Yep. So if your quad, a lot of times we strengthen someone's quad and then go up to like the glutes and, and back to the hamstrings. And then, you know, they couldn't run 5K. And after a couple months now, they can run 5K and they're pain-free. Great. But we've also increased their cadence because when they're landing in an overstride heel strike position, way more force on the knee than when they're landing with the foot under their hips. So we increase the cadence. Sometimes we get them in a lower heel toe drop shoe. That was really cool because we mentioned in the in the heel and feet injuries that you need to up your heel to toe drop, right? Yeah. If you're in a four millimeter. To offload the Achilles, yeah. Toe. But in the case of the knee, it's the opposite. Yeah. Okay. Because you can actually, it, it's easier to overstride if you have a big heel. And I think I wrote you one day, I was trying to do a video on... Um, for social media, and I was trying to show different foot strike patterns on the treadmill, and I had my 12 millimeter heel toe drop shoes on because I forgot my shoes and I had them at work. I could not land midfoot. Yeah, it's super hard. No matter how hard I tried, I had this big 12 millimeter drop heel, and I couldn't land on the midfoot. So if somebody really has bad arthritis, I'll actually teach them only to land midfoot striking. Okay. And often it deloads the knee, it increases the load on the calf. So we just have to be careful for injuries there and make sure they're nice and strong. But usually like a lower heel toe drop drop shoe introduced gradually, strengthening the quads, hamstrings, hips, some trail running, scaling back, upping the cadence. There's no way I would tell someone to stop running unless they've done all those things. And they've given it like four or five months to yeah, take effect. Yeah, exactly. Not a week. I saw a physio twice and it didn't work. They yeah. gave me strength training and I'm like, that's like two weeks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm going to ask you two questions. One is a little controversial. Okay. <laughs> what about weight? Yeah, that's a good question. Because mm-hmm. I know people don't like to talk about weight and any runner does matter the weight or the body type. It's a good runner or whatever. But performance-wise and injury-wise, I, I, it occurred to me because you said that your knee absorbs four to five times your body weight. Mm-hmm. So if you weigh 20 pounds more than you could, I'm not going to say should, yeah. say could. That's going to affect your yeah, pain. Yeah, it's three to four times body weight. So you definitely, if you're someone who's in the obese category, like you've got a lot of weight on, that would be something that you could look into safely doing. Like sometimes I always worry telling runners that anything like that because I'm, I'm always stressed if they're doing a lot of mileage and they all of a sudden cut calories severely that they're going to come in with a stress it's fracture. Going to be so learn how to do it, like we always say, like gradually, slowly, and maybe with the help of a healthcare professional. Um, but definitely like the heavier, heavier you are, the more pressure there's going to be on the knees for sure. I don't like it when, when a heavy set person comes in and they're like, well, my knee hurts because I'm overweight. But they've like, haven't run all winter. 
dove into five to 10K training runs, aggressively trained for a spring race, don't do any strength training, added in hills too aggressively. And I'm like, okay, maybe your weight's a factor, yeah, but probably not as much as all the other yeah. things. Cause I've got plenty of people that I see who would probably be classified as obese and they do marathons without any knee pain. Okay. So yeah, I was just talking about knee pain. I'm, I'm not, not going to get into if yeah. you should or not should, but if yeah. you have knee pain, maybe yeah. losing some pounds. It, it, it's definitely something to consider. It's not something to be overlooked, but it, sometimes I think people hone in on that. Okay. Um, and, and even in your doctor's office, like you go in and your imaging shows x-ray, show uh, osteoarthritis, and maybe you're sitting there and you're 280 pounds or something like that. And they just say, well, you need to lose weight if you're going to run. I'm kind of like, well, let's up your cadence and strengthen your legs and get the right shoes so that you can run, which is going to help lose the weight. Yeah, for sure. Because <laughs> the weight loss is going to be a huge journey usually, yeah. like depending on how much you have on. And some people will come on in and they're like 10 pounds overweight. Oh, yeah. And they're like, it's because I'm overweight. And I'm like, mm, no, it's because you train for a marathon with like eight weeks of yeah. time. So it, it kind of depends, but it is a good point because sometimes it's definitely a factor. Okay. Yeah. And the other question is, give us your best exercise for quads, hamstring, and hips. Oh, good question. Okay, quads is a no-brainer. I love seated knee extensions. People hate them because they're not functional. So picture at a gym, Yeah. you sit on the machine and you kick your leg out against the weight, single leg, not double leg. Okay. People was, oh, they're not functional. They shouldn't be done. It's the only way to isolate your quad. And if you don't have a gym membership, you can do it with a pull-up band. Mm -hmm. So you can tie it to something behind you, sit in a chair and kick out against the resistance of a thick pull-up band. Hamstrings, I really like the eccentric hamstring curls. Okay. Where you bridge up and then you slowly straighten your legs out. If you're not sure what these are, if you look up eccentric hamstring curl, yeah. you'll you'll see. Um, glute max and glute min, min are both targeted really nicely with a single leg deadlift. Okay. Like an RDL, so the knee is mostly straight. Um, or a glute med you could get at it with a side plank, okay. like side plank leg lift or something like that. There you have a full yeah. strength training routine. Mm -hmm. Do some quad thing. If you have a gym, the mm -hmm. seated leg curl. Do the eccentric hamstring curls and uh, deadlifts. Yeah, deadlifts or side, side planks. And the quad, I find a lot of people will come in and they've tried to strengthen the quads, but the only way they know how to do it is through squats and lunges. Okay which puts all their weight on the knee and then the knee gets irritated and they're like, well, I'm trying to strengthen it, but it makes my knee hurt. So usually with the seated knee extensions, you can kind of find an angle or a range that's pain-free and then you can you can get at the quad strengthening from there without flaring it. Cool, that's really cool. Yeah. Anything else you want to add about knee pain? I don't think, I think the big thing is like understand that the myth that running is bad for your knees is just that, it's a myth. Recreational and competitive runners actually have less knee osteoarthritis than sedentary people and non-runners okay. in the in the research. Elite runners have a little bit more, but not even by that much. So don't think because you have knee pain that you shouldn't be running. Just see a good physio or healthcare professional who can do a gait analysis, give you good strength training tips, shoe advice, and then go from there and you'll probably be able to continue. Perfect. Yeah. So thank you for listening. We are going to go to hamstring injuries next week. Oh, I know all about that. And so do you. <laughs> we have a lot of stories about hamstring injuries yeah. and cool ways to fix them and to find the underlying cause. And uh, see you next week. Thank you very much. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you love it, give it a share. Please consider subscribing to the show and leaving a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify. 
and visit chasingprs.run for all the latest episodes, get our free newsletter and all the cool running stuff we have there. Thanks for joining.